This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio is proudly sponsored by CompleteSigns.co.uk. Complete Signs are a producer of top quality internal and external signs. Then look no further than Complete Signs. Head to their website, CompleteSigns.co.uk, for further information, including contact details and full office addresses. Live commentary. He's head up, looking to drive in at the crawling fence. Swings in the great cross. Come back out to Jednak. Jednak will have another shot. Deflected. Oh, just wide. Live interviews. You see a future yeah, for the for the for the ground being at Sellers Park, then, Steve. Yeah, I think that's where we'll be for, for the foreseeable future. You know, yeah. we're working on some interesting things there, and um, I think that we're developing we're developing it bit by bit. It's probably going to be our best option. Expert analysis. Who's the young kid, the centre midfielder from the? Um, oh, the one everyone's raving about. Uh, hello. Hello. Yes. Um, I'm trying to listen to your radio show on BlackBerry phone. I can't get to download it. Do you know how to do it? Well, most of the time anyway. Homesdale Radio. Ah, good evening and welcome to Homestyle Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and instead of having a week off presenting, I'm standing in for my stand-in as we review a positive and busy week for Crystal Palace. Assisting me tonight, I give you one of the originals, Mr Ben Nagel. Good evening, Chris. You alright? Yeah, thanks. Uh, uh, we'll have this conversation another time, though. Um, okay, fine. No worries. Yeah, carry fine, on. Good. Cheers. Nice one. Uh, we've also got youngster and media whore, Mr Alex White. <laughs> good Hello. evening, sir. Good evening, good evening. Hi. Um, uh, yeah, alright. And one of our new boys, manning the communication hub, Mr. Stuart Shave. Evening all. Mm, see, that was sensible. You didn't ask me how I was. How are you? <sighs> how are you, Chris? Oh, for God's sake, Blackpool. Tonight we look back to Boxing Day as the Eagles made a trip to Villa Park and won the points in the final minute of a vital clash. We'll look in detail at all the key moments and talk about where the game was won. We then look back to yesterday's display at the Etihad as a widely predicted mauling at the hands of a rampant Manchester City failed to materialise. We'll talk about why and ask if actually we should be feeling disappointed to leave with no points after the 1-0 defeat. And there's a little respite as Norwich visits Sellers Park on New Year's Day. We look ahead to that game and talk about how important the win might be. We then look take a brief look ahead to the Cup game on Saturday as the side travel to West Brom for the second time this season. 
Finally, we round up as much of your communication as we're able to do. Uh, to contact the show today, you can send us a tweet to at HOL Radio. You can message us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash HOL Radio. Email us on radio at homestyle.net or give us a call on 0208 1234098. You can visit the whole radio chat room, holradio.net forward slash chat to talk with fellow listeners live around the topics of discussion. If you would follow matches live online, do remember to head to footballfancast.com as we contribute to their live updates and discussion during games. You can listen to Homestyle Radio live on your smartphone or tablet device with the free TuneIn Radio app once installed. Simply search for Homestyle Radio to locate the station. First up, here's a roundup of the main stories from the week in News in Brief. Get involved with the show. Email radio at homestyle.net or call us on 0208 1234 Homestyle Radio. Voices for Palace Watch. Faces for Crime Watch. The latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. The New Year's Day game against Norwich is now on general sale. There'll be no limit on the number of tickets you can now purchase. Membership restrictions have been lifted. The club are once again running their fan zone in the director's car park, which will be open from 12 midday. Pre-match entertainment includes Kayla the Eagle and the Crystals. The FA Cup with Budweiser's third round tie against West Bromwich Albion takes place on Saturday the 4th of January 2014. Kick-off 3pm and tickets for the game are now on sale. The ticket prices are... £15 for adults, juniors under 17 years are just £5, under 21 years £10 and students in full-time education, although you will need proof, £10. Seniors 60 plus years are £10 as well. Uh, the coach travelled to Park Sellers Park at 10.15am and the cost for that is just £19. News in Brave. Homesdale Radio is brought to you in association with CompleteSigns.co.uk for all your sign-based needs. To receive a genuine 10% discount, mention you are listening to Homesdale Radio and get in touch today. Hmm. Okay, welcome back from our uh, little break for news in brief there. Um, okay, we've got plenty to get on with today. And, uh, well, I think we've got to start, really, as um, Becca on Boxing Day's trip to, to Aston Villa. Uh, it ended in a, a 1-0 victory for Palace and in the sweetest possible way as Gale f- smashed in a fantastic strike uh, in the v- pretty much the last moment of the game to send um, all of us in the away end completely insane and uh, and to get those three important points. But if we go back to how the teams lined up, um, I suppose the, sort of the headline really was that Chimak obviously was missing through suspension. And it was actually Yannick Bellassi who came in and um, Bannon sort of ended up playing slightly behind in Chimak's sort of withdrawn striker role. Uh, and, and those front players kind of rotated to sort of to support um, Cameron Jerome. So uh, if we can start there, guys, really, the, the line-up, really. Were you surprised? I'll start with you, Ben, maybe. Yeah. Um, were you surprised at all to see that, I mean, obviously, the talk before the game was that Gale would uh, come in to replace Chimak, but um, but Pulis went a different way. Was it? So what did you think? Yeah, it was the the water centre midfield thing again uh, that surprised a lot of people. Uh, obviously, we'd had it in, in the previous game against Newcastle, um, taking a, a pretty heavy beating uh, at home to them. And, and I kind of thought that, especially when you've got Hiram Boateng on the bench, I mean, you've got Campania on the bench, you've got Williams on the bench, mm. Gale on the bench, Boateng on the bench, and you move potentially our best player from right back uh, into centre midfield when uh, when Mariap is there. And in my opinion, I don't, I don't think he's good enough. So. I was surprised to see that that Wall was in centre midfield um, when we had those options, especially you know Boateng on the bench. If he's good enough for the bench, surely he's you know he's good enough to be given a go. And when when we've got injuries in in the middle of midfield, 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, Boateng played against Stoke, so Pulis would have seen him uh, make his debut and I wouldn't have failed to have been impressed like we all were at the time. Mm. But um, I think it's interesting because, like, I mean, one of the one of the things you've got to remember, we, you know, we've got the benefit of hindsight now of Ward playing against Villa and obviously against Man City in midfield. So if, if you kind of take that out of the equation, uh, what what you say rings very very true. And it's and we talked last week about it being effectively weakening us at right back and weakening us in midfield. And it didn't mm. quite pan out that way, obviously. But um, I don't know. It's an interesting one. I, I felt uneasy that it kind of. It did two two things for me really. The fact that we didn't replace Chamek with a, with another forward player, be that Gale or even Johnny Williams, I feel could have come in. Um, but I liked I liked the fact that the Pulis was trying to accommodate Balassi because I'm st- I think we've all, in a way a lot of us have forgotten about what Balassi can do, and we saw against Villa and, and also later on against Man City, we saw that you know he's still got that about him. He's still got the little bit of the sort of trickiness that Zaha gave us as well. You know, we forget that Balassi did all that and, you know, and at times was the better player and it was, it was really nice against Villa to see him sort of come through and, and do that. So in terms of the lineup, yeah, in a way, when I saw it, I thought it's a shame that um, we haven't seen Gale get a start and it's, a, you know, and having Ward in midfield, but as it panned out, it was a, a pretty strong performance. Um, I mean, Alex, did you any similar sort of concerns or, or, you know, did you, did you think? Yeah, well, go on. Yeah, we were all expecting Gale to come in, weren't we? I think that's the thing. Maybe now it's finally his chance with Shamak Ban uh, to come come and show what he's about. But it, it didn't happen, and Joel Ward went into midfield. And, and, and looking back now, he had a very good game in the second half. Uh, and I think Mariapa, actually, who I was very concerned about when he's played right back in the season before, especially look at Newcastle, I think he got left for dead constantly. But I think he had a fantastic game as well, and arguably one of our men of the match. So I, I, I was surprised, but... Look, at the end of the day, it got three points, so I can't complain too much. Another quick point on Balassi there as well. You mentioned about him, you know, having a, a lot of ability, but us kind of forgetting it. One thing I love about Balassi as well that football doesn't seem to just be an occupation for him. He genuinely loves every second he's on the pitch, and I think that can only help his his kind of progression as well. Uh, he's one of those players who gets the ball lot, much like Zaha, although obviously he's not as good as Zaha yet. Um, anything can happen when he gets the ball, and I think that's a, a brilliant trait to have. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I do. I do agree with that. Um, again, it, get, without getting too too much ahead of ourselves, he, he was the one replaced um, when uh, when Williams came on on uh, against Man City yesterday. But I mean, in, in the Villa game, he you know there was no way he could take him off because he was just getting better and better. And like you say, he plays with a smile on his face. But I mean, it, in all our best moments of him creating chances, um, it was all it was all you know that that just that uncertainty for defenders because he you know he rolls his foot over the ball all of a sudden he's passed two of them it's that sort of thing and it was you know it's really positive to see and um yeah i mean yeah can't really com- complain about anything there really um but ultimately i think w- w- <sighs> the game itself was a pretty poor spectacle I'm, i don't know if you guys agree but I, I thought for a lot of that match it was two very very poor sides and i don't mean to sort of disrespect our performance because you know, obviously we're away from home we do what we normally do away from home and we let them have a lot of the ball and they look like they just they just didn't know what to do with it they're not used to having that much possession and they didn't know how to hurt us and I thought that that kind of told but in truth it was the first half was just awful awful to watch really was it was um you know and, and if anything we you know we, we slightly shaded it but in terms of actual creation of chances, and it was, but it wasn't until well into that second half. I think probably the change that did it for me was was punching going off and Williams coming on, and then we started to look a little bit 
more solid and started to create. But before he did get replaced, um, I mean, Jason Punchin will be, will be a discussion point for this game and for, for the Man City game. Um, improved of late, but again, quite often. I think what it is with him, he, he does good and bad things in every game. Uh, and the problem with him is the, the things he does wrong seem to be glaring. And I think certainly in that first half and then the misses from him in the second half, it was... It was a case of all the good things that he did, and I saw some Villa fans during the game talking on Twitter saying that, you know, they thought he was the best player on the pitch. And, you know, if you'd asked the Palace crowd around me in the first half if that was the case, they'd have laughed at you because simply every time he had a, a chance to do to do something, he seemed to make the wrong decision. It was really odd, but I mean, when you when you sort of look at it in the cold light of day, he actually he was getting in good positions. He was running with the ball. You know, he's he's a good dribbler. And, and Tony Pulis says the same thing that you know he's an excellent player to have when when you've got him on one flank and Balassi on the other we, we look a threat and um, I don't know Ben what, what were your thoughts on Punchin's performance in the Villa game yeah he, like you say he's very hit and miss I mean I've been very critical of him in the past I, sometimes I don't think his touch is up to it and he'll it, lose the ball but then specifically looking at City I know we will come on to that he, he was fantastic so mm. he you know he's got, he's got that in him but half the time he just doesn't look bothered you know what I mean like you say obviously that the game itself wasn't a great spectacle as, as you've mentioned because it, it pretty much had nil nil written all over it. Um, so you know he didn't have a ch- massive chance to shine, but he's a player that I'm I'm still completely unsure of. Really, you know he he's got potential. Well, we know he's got potential. He scored a hat trick against us for Millwall a few seasons ago, but yeah, exactly. You know he, he needs needs a goal really, I think, and and then maybe he'll, he'll push on from there. But yeah, still still unsure really. Alex. I think the really frustrating thing is for Jason and, and as Palace fans watching is that we know he has the ability and he does show glimpses of it. And I, I know at Villa uh, in the second half he had a shot, he had a couple of shots that he should have scored and then two minutes after ran around about three players and then, then we nearly created another chance. And I was just looking back at the last the last few games against Villa and Newcastle, I thought he was abysmal. And then Chelsea and City, I thought he was our best player on the pitch. For me, that shows maybe he's a, more of a big game player, likes to show up for the big occasion. Yeah, I, there is a, there's a bit of that, I suppose, about him. But um, And certainly, yeah, you're right, he's, he's lifted his performance in key games. But for me, it, I think it's, it's perhaps... He's one of those who's going to suffer because he's at the business end. And I, I go back to how people used to judge Saha. Um, in that quite often it was the ball would land at his feet and it'd be down to him to play the final pass or have that final shot, or, you know, something like that. And Punchin is becoming a focal point of the team. And because we're a team that doesn't get many people forward, and he's often not got that many options. And, you know, it's very easy when you're up in the, up in the, the stands or watching it at home on TV or something like that. It's very easy to see a pass... Um, that, that he can't see and, and judge him on that and things like that. So I, I think he gets a bit of a hard time. And, it, you know, we're as guilty on this show as anyone of giving him a hard time, particularly Jell. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, but I, that's why I think Jell's not here. I'm pretty sure he broke his laptop punching it um, with um, with Jason Punchin's uh, decision-making in the Villa game. But I, I just think, you know, we, we he's one of those, once he's, if he was out of the team, we'd probably miss him more, um, more than people realise and KG's a bit like that as well but um, yeah I don't want to get dragged down it will come back to Punchin's performance against Man City and we'll talk, we're talking more positive terms about him I'm pretty sure we will anyway it's, um, yeah uh, certainly he, he was a focal point but Williams coming on and Williams was excellent and I, let's have a little chat about Johnny Williams everyone wonders if there's a place for him under Tony Pulis and 
I mean, certainly, first of all, he's playing him wide, which is, um, you know, it's a it's a position that Johnny Williams can play. But um, in a way, I think it's a shame we're not playing him a bit more centrally because I don't think Pulis, probably by his own admission, doesn't know enough about some of our players to know what they can do. And I don't think he knows Johnny Williams is a perfectly adept central midfielder. And for me, Joel Ward could go at right back and Johnny Williams could start alongside Jednak. Yeah, OK, he's not tall, but he doesn't need to be. He's a little terrier in there. And um, I think it's a bit of a shame he misses out. I don't know if you've got a view on that, chaps. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that you look at someone like Johnny and he keeps coming on on the wing. I think Pulis certainly as a manager always looks to have an impact substitute, whether it be Balassi, Punchin or Williams, someone to come on with a bit of pace with some tiring legs. I think he's more than good enough to play in the midfield and deeper actually than most people think because he does tackle and he picks up the ball and he goes. I, I, I think the one thing is people thought he's not a Pulis type player, but you look at the way we've played football, we haven't played it in a stereotypical Tony Pulis type of play. I don't think we have that in the team to, to play like that. Mm. And Johnny Williams epitomises that. And I do think that Tony knows his ability. I think that's been... Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, Alex is making <laughs> quite a good point there, but then I think either he or his computer has shut down a bit. Very odd, but um, hopefully he'll go away and reset his internet a bit. I, I, I see the point he's making, though. Obviously, he's um, mm. you know, it, we're talking about this typical perception of a Tony Pulis side and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know. I thought both in the second half against Villa and certainly that game against Man City, it was noticeable that we can and do play quite a short passing game at times as well. So yeah, I mean, your view on whether there's a place for Williams just before we go and uh, get some contact from the listeners. Yeah, well, initially when Pulis came in, you know, you, you kind of cast aspersions because you, you know the kind of game that Pulis played at Stoke, but I, he hasn't. He, there's nothing to show that he's come in and completely changed Palace around, you know, to make us long ball or whatever you want to say about Stoke because Barry Bannon plays in in that kind of Jolly Johnny Williams role, and I think there can be a place for him. Mm. It's just whether he'll, he'll be given a chance to prove himself, and because I think if he gets a chance, he, he will prove himself and he'll go on to to big things, but. I really, really hope there's a there's a place for him, but yeah, only time will tell, I suppose. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I, t- I took us on a little bit. We've got some um, talking about punching earlier on. I've got a fair few points of view on that, Stuart. Yeah, a few uh, tweeted us on punching. Uh, we've got one from Andrew Waller here, who says um, his second touch is usually a tackle. Um, Cameron Smith eventually one of his pot shots will go flying in and he'll be a hero until then the jury's out apparently um, Steve Steve Brooker likes him Phil Morgan um, controversial he needs a drug test apparently Balasso <laughs> uh, sorry uh, sorry, Punchin in all seriousness uh, he's looked a completely different player the last few weeks and um, Rory um, he hesitates on the ball too much not scared to shoot which I love but uh, he's got a bad touch and a bad pass yeah, just picking up on a couple more that just came in after you started there. Brad Cab saying it's an amazing improvement uh, since Pulis came in. Uh, I don't know if and um, Gareth says he needs to relax a bit, and Patrick O'Connor says he played well, but needs to be putting in a shift for more than one match. And, and I think he's asked, can we name him another match? And I can only really go back to um, to his debut against Sunderland, where he was excellent. But I think it uh, goes to show you that a lot of people are saying the same thing about him, that he's plenty of ability there, but people questioning perhaps attitude and work rate. But there's been a noticeable improvement under Tony Pulis, and you, and you know he's not going to let anyone stay on the side if they're not earning it, really. And um, I don't know, it's positive signs for absolute certain. Uh, just going to... Um, go on. I think that sums him up as well, those tweets. I mean, you've got people tweeting and saying, yeah, he's got a good shot on him. 
uh, and a few other things, and then you get people giving his negatives about his touch and things like that, and that proves, you know, there's good things, there's bad things, and the, the jury well and truly are out on that one. Yeah, um, I mean, just going to uh, to our Facebook account, we've had both uh, Paul Kensley and Mark Coppard get in touch. Paul says that he was talking about the Villa game in general. He's talking about Jednak putting in a real captain's performance leading for the front. And <laughs> does he ever lose a header? I don't think he does, actually, no. And uh, he's talking about um, watching Gale's goal a million times and never getting sick of it. And I, I do want to talk about Gale's goal next. Um, just to pick up on what Mark was saying, he's saying if we could retain the ball a bit better and have a striker with a better conversion rate, we'd be killing off the likes of Villa. Uh, and, and that's an area of discussion we'll probably be getting into, certainly over the next few weeks. And as we're, well, we're, we're approaching transfer deadline day, in fact, it's a lot closer than I first realised. Very, very soon, in <laughs> fact. This Probably next week's show we'll be focusing on who we're going to buy throughout the course of January. And I suspect a striker is very, very much on the cards. Um, well, let's talk about Dwight Gale's goal. Um, I feel quite smug in a lot of ways because I've, I've backed him up a lot on this show. Um, there's been a lot of people talking about, you know, what a waste of money he was and all that sort of stuff. I mean, first of all, he doesn't, he doesn't pick the fee that we paid for him. That was our decision. It doesn't really matter yeah. what we paid. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. The second thing I want to mention is that you know, it's pretty clear, it's, I think, if anyone, if you know anything about football, it's pretty clear that he has, the strengths that he has mean that he can score goals. The weaknesses he has, the things he's got to work on, all, all relate to his lack of experience, at, you know, certainly at this level, but our whole squad can be accused of that in pretty much so. Um, but just seeing him come on, and we'd, we'd, we'd actually talked last week about all the goals you see him score on YouTube without... You know, other than a couple of headers, uh, him running onto the ball and seeing Villa pushing forward and that getting caught out and leaving him one on one. I kind of, even before it went in, I just looked at it and I thought, well, that that's the chance. You know, I'm, I'm sitting up the back there, sitting, standing up the back there at Villa Park, looking at him pick the ball up. And just a quick mention for Johnny Williams doing a weird overhead clearance that found his way to Moxie and a great <laughs> ball up the line for, for by Moxie to find Gale. I mean, those those were key moments as Villa were pressing, but. One on one against Delph, who's obviously a midfielder, not a, not a defender, and you just saw it, and it just looked like there was never any doubt. And it's not one of those where you, usually when some shot like that comes in, the player has sort of knocks it to one side, runs around a defender, and then smashes it. But it was just two little touches of the right foot, and then just an absolute glorious strike. I mean, you we don't really score goals like that that often. We really don't. I don't know if you can think of any chaps, but I mean, well. Um, Ambrose, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much him, isn't it? Um, and you, you, a lot of those were supposed with dead ball, but yeah, I mean, you go back to that that Ambrose strike at Man United, which was obviously a, probably a, a step above Gales, but maybe Murray against mm. Middlesbrough. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a great strike. Yeah, but they're few and far between, and it was it was glorious. I can't, no other word for it. Just, but that's what he can do. But I mean, is it? Is it kind of showing what he is to us? He's he's a he's a sub who can try and come on and try and make an impact. What do you think? Uh, start with you, Alex. I've I'm like you, Chris. I've always backed it, and I believe if you can score goals like he did, even at that League One level and the Championship level, he'll score goals in any division. Um, I think I think, like I alluded to earlier, Pulis likes having an impact sub. Gale as one of them. And he very much likes having Shamak and Jerome, two big lads up top to hold it up. And maybe that's just the way it's going to be under under Pulis, unfortunately. Unless Gale can keep doing things like that and actually prove, you know what, 
give me a chance. I'm not your normal type player, but I'm going to score you some goals. So you never know, really, if, if he can change his mind. There's only one way he can do that, and that's by scoring goals. Mm. All right. And, um, I mean, Ben, for, for you, would does, is, he, is it just sort of agree with what Alex is saying, or do you think there's a case for, for the Gale should be starting games and being rewarded for something like that? Yeah, I read an article a couple of days ago, um, Pulis talking about Gale actually, and he, he stated how big a gamble he thought it was to buy him and that he wasn't sure if it was kind of the right decision because, um, you know, so much pressure on, on such a young head uh, coming from, from such a low league up to the Premier League. But, you know, there's there's no way that our scouts have, have gone out, gone, yeah, he, must, he, he looks all right, we'll get him. They will have done absolute thorough research on him, you know, watched him week in, week out for, for a number of weeks and, and made sure that he was the right player. And I think he's proved that he, he scored three goals in relatively few minutes so surely it is time for him to be given a proper chance I did think he, he'd get his chance against Villa when, when Shamak was out but that didn't happen but you know it's, it's nice to know that he's capable of scoring a goal like that and you know it can only be a good thing uh, and give him more of a chance to come in Yeah I find it odd myself because we, we are playing as a counter-attack inside and he has all the attributes as a, as a striker for a side that counter-attacks he's got pace and you know he doesn't need too many opportunities before to, to strike a goal before one goes in, I think he's got very like Chamak. He's got very good uh, rate of getting shots on target and converting them into goals. And it's one of How those things. How confident must we, you be as well to be able to score a goal like that after playing in the Premier League for a matter of weeks? It's mm. ridiculous. Uh, yeah, not just that. In the circumstances, it's nil nil. Yeah. It's it's injury time. It's pretty much the last kick of the game, and he's going to know that. And he's not long been on the pitch. I think yeah, came on after seventy two minutes, so didn't really get much of a touch of the ball and I think that's where people have been writing him off because you know I, I still think we, we've got this sort of hangover from AJ in our heads where we think every little nippy striker needs to cover every blade of grass in the in the last third of the pitch harrying defenders I mean AJ for me was a one-off in, in the way that he was continuously dangerous but also worked harder than any player I've ever seen in that final third now, he could he could literally close down every one of the back four in one run, you know, he, and it didn't seem to bother him. Um, but Gale's not that kind of player, and, he, and people shouldn't really be expecting too much of him there. He's he's looking for a position to get on the ball and to get a strike away at goal, and that's really his ma- main concern. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm reading too much into it, but I think a lot of the criticism comes from a, a weird expectation of him rather than anything that, that he actually does do or doesn't do. But um, yeah, I don't know. Very, very positive for me. And um, yeah, I go. I was, I was a bit, a bit unhappy that he didn't get more of a chance against Man City as well. But um, can kind of understand the reasons for that. Um, okay, not going to dwell too much longer on the Villa game, even though it was such a nice feeling to uh, to win it. And I could probably rather, well, would rather talk about it than the Man City game. But I think um, what we saw one of the key moments in the game was um, substitute from Villa, Jordan Bowery came on. Um, weirdly, just as I was talking to someone about Bobby Burry. <laughs> Quite odd. But anyway, um, he came and got a header. No. <laughs> Spelled differently, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but um, but um, I just it, it was the save from Jules, and it kind of... We've been talking the last few weeks about this whole rumour of getting in another keeper, and, you know, the fact that Speroni's 34, you know, in the last year of his contract, and, you know, is it time that we, we look to replace him, and... He's, re- he's he's excellent against Villa and obviously excellent again against Manchester City and something of a, a resurgence, Alex, do you think? Well, I think the one thing about Jules this season is he's 
he's been his, his typical self maybe from a few years ago he'll pull off some amazing saves and then ones where you think maybe he should have got a hand to that and but we can't doubt his ability can we i know i know we can't stand here and say look because he's been such a legend he has to play but that's it shows what he's capable of but i know he's getting old and i know he's that type of goalkeeper where he's so reliant on on being springy and quick and that does go with age he's not a giant like brad friedel or mark schwarzer but at the end of the day, he got us there, and I, I think he deserves a chance in the Premiership for us. Mm. I, I read something on the Villa forum where they described him as a clearly overweight goalkeeper, um, which, <laughs> which, made, which made me laugh. I don't know. Maybe it was the baggy green shirt. I don't know. But he's certainly not overweight. If he's overweight, I'm in real, real trouble. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was an odd one. And again, I think he's criminally underrated by anyone outside of Palace for a start and you kind of almost feel guilty for looking at it in a, in a unemotional way and saying yes we do need to plan for the future and all that sort of stuff but really happy to see him performing quite as well as he is. Uh, last little bit I want to talk about in, in this game myself before we look at some forward reviews and list of contact uh, was that the game ended with uh, with Dean Moxie and Johnny Parr together on that left hand side and it made me a little bit nostalgic for a couple of seasons ago where people were saying, oh, do we play Moxie, do we play Paul, or can we play them both together? You know, Moxie can play on the wing or Paul can play on the wing. It just seemed odd. In the, we're in the, here we are in the Premier League and all of a sudden... Um, finally. You know, uh, yeah, finally, a late substitution. Bannon, Bannon went off after playing really well against his old club. Um, Dean Moxie comes on for the last sort of four minutes of the game. And suddenly you've got Parr playing left-back, Moxie playing on the wing, like a lot of people wanted to see. And it, if anything, it's, it's won the game for us. Um, at some point, it did look like he, he and Joe Ward were playing centre midfield together. And I thought that was an extremely interesting spin, that we've mm. got two full-backs now playing centre midfield. <laughs> yeah. No, he did. It was, you're right, he was drifting a little bit inside. But he was, he was effectively playing the, the Barry Bannon role, but just trying to... You know, it just basically it was a fresh player because Bannon had run himself into the ground. So, um, but it's, it's just I thought it would fascinating to actually see that happen, really, because. Um, well, I remember so having the debate on here actually about yeah. you know play them both doesn't matter what one's in each position you can just let them overlap and stuff and yeah looking back now we went on to Will from Balassi so I'm pleased with that one. Mm. Just noticed uh, Dan Barrett on Facebook has uh, talking about the Dwight Gale goal. Uh, he said that goal was top draw. He was banging in goals like that at Peterborough, and he's only going to get better, I suspect. And um, that just emphasises that point we were making that if you look at the goals he scores, they uh, they are of that type of him running onto the ball. He's not he's not a back to the goal kind of player, and I think we all know that now. And um, say so he's also been playing out, played out of position, all this sort of stuff. Everyone's trying to make judgments on a player, and really the only times he's he's played up front and got a chance, he seems to have you know done something, found the net, you know, great. Great uh, run for the penalty against Sunderland when he was playing up top. Um, got us a goal in that game. You know, great little header against Liverpool when he was playing up front. And uh, yeah, and now we've got this Villa goal, which is was the best best goal in the world. Stuart, you've got some tweets on the same subject? Yep, indeed. Uh, Colin Squires, he's, um, he's with uh, regard to Gale's goal, one of the best strikes uh, we will see this season. I think from a Palace point of view, um, it's, he's probably right there. Um, uh, a- Aidan Tullock, um, Gale's got great potential. With the goal he scored against Villa, confidence will be gained, especially on a counter-attack, uh, which is, I think is, uh, is pretty valid. And um, again, uh, Aidan says also he needs to start because I feel that he's a real threat if his teammates play the right ball to him. Uh, Christopher Dack, um, 
he's uh, slightly critical. Gale needs to beef up a bit, gets muscled off the ball too easily, some pace, and packs a classy strike of the ball. Um, mm. Yeah, in, a bit positive uh, from Christopher there. Um, what's your own view, Stuart, on, on Dwight Gale? Um, on Gale, it's for me. I, I, you know, I thought right at the beginning of the season, to be honest, before I even saw him play in a Palace shirt, was that he we were buying him for the future. Um, I didn't expect to see him much this season. Um, obviously, under Holloway, he pretty much started every game, I think, and and I was impressed with him. And what I, what I really want to see him is in is up top, uh, directly down the middle with, with Glenn Murray. I think that would be a really good partnership, um, mm. but not necessarily this season. I think maybe you know if, if 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 things don't pan out how we want them to this season, we do end up in the Championship. I think that would be a fantastic partnership. It's going to say yeah to, yeah to get us back up. But um, if obviously if we you know if, if things go to plan and we stay up um, I would certainly like to see them being given a run together and see what they can do because I think they, they, they could trouble trouble a defence together those two I was going to say that exact thing I, I really I re- totally agree with you in terms of um, it, it would be an absolutely superb championship attack to have those two um, I was thinking about sort of Murray today really and uh, I was reading the BBS and there was a couple of people talking about whether or not he's going to get named in that 25 and I couldn't help but agree with the slightly more pessimistic set of fans there that he's probably not really going to be ready to, to play at his best until sort of March time really and that there's a quite a strong chance he won't he won't play for us in the Premier League this season in, in my view so it might well be next season before we see him and if that isn't the championship and him and Gale together I honestly think you're right and that it would tear up that division I really do um, okay just briefly to, to nip back to the subject we were talking about which was Moxie and par playing Ben you had a, a little point on that yeah just quickly uh, on that point uh, I think it's a little bit hard on Moxie actually because he, he hasn't played badly, you know, in the first sort of half of the season. Uh, Pa was injured and, and he's been the, the the first choice left back. And then Pa came in uh, in the Newcastle game and, and conceded the penalty. And I thought, well, Moxie's probably got that place back then. Although Pa did play very well, and I think mm. that that gamble did pay off for Pulis starting him in the next game um, because. Um, sorry, that that comment's got me got me uh, out. <laughs> Yeah, no, but yeah, <laughs> part did, part did well. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, well done, Ben. Well done for trading off <laughs> at the end of your it's point. Because right, we we've got <laughs> if for people that that don't know, uh, we've got a little chat window, and uh, Stuart in the contact hub posted piss stop, so I stopped. <laughs> yeah, you basically read the fact that he was going to the toilet and stopped. Um, well done, well done for disrupting the flow of everything. Sorry, mention, we were doing so well, well. We were. It was. A really professional performance from us all today. And Sorry, now, let's get back on track. Come on. Um, well, while Stuart's in the, in the toilet, I'm going to pick up on a few <laughs> few tweets uh, regarding the Spironi discussion that we were having. Uh, Jack Jack Maddox has come come along and said that um, we've got Fitzsimmons and Gregory coming through as academy keepers. Um, uh, the keepers can go until they're 14, so should all be uh, so should all fit in well. Um, I I know what he's saying. Um, I think Fitzsimmons went out on loan to someone like Hendon recently or something like that. But um, we have got some very good academy keepers. I mean, Tom King was another who was very highly rated. He's dropped back a little bit through for having some niggling injuries and other other people coming in and doing really well. But Gregory's been excellent. And, um, you know, Fitzsimmons has, has done good whenever whenever he's called upon at a sort of under-21 level as well. So we know, we know we've got some good talent coming through, but it's about the Premier League and it's about now, and it's a big ask for young keepers to come in and, and step up. And, you know, OK, we've got Lewis Price and we've got um, uh, Alexander. Well, I can't remember his name. 
his first name. Joel's fault. He always forgets his name, and now I'm starting to do it. Um, but yeah, I, think, I don't think we've got good enough backup in my view. And yeah, um, no, that that was going to be my point. If if it gets to the point that Spurney isn't our first choice goalkeeper, it won't be Alexander or Fitzsimmons or any of the younger goalkeepers. It'll be uh, an experienced keeper from elsewhere that we've bought in the transfer window for sure. It's, it's Neil Alexander. I remembered it now. Um, <laughs> Lee, Lee Taylor says the thing with Jules is a brilliant shot stopper, but doesn't come out and claim crosses for it like he really needs to in the prem and. Uh, that, I know that has been a um, a criticism sort of labelled Jules. I mean, pretty much ever since he's been in the side. But I, I think against Villa and against City, he was actually pretty dominant in the air. And I think it's another one of those things that sometimes we sort of cling on to to our perception of people without looking at them when they improve. And I think Jules has really improved in his aerial domination, in my view. And um, last little bit on that, Daniel Stone has got in touch and he, he's talked about Speroni's height being an issue because I think he's listed as 6-1 although I think that's generous sometimes but um, but he says that his height is an issue but he love him he's a proper legend I forgive him for any errors he makes so um, it is a bit like that and, and he doesn't really make very many errors at all in all fairness um, lots more tweets coming in I'll let Stuart collate them and, and come back to us a little bit later on um, so there we go That I mean that's that's pretty much what we'll do for, for Villa it was an absolutely vital game to get um to get three points here because I mean obviously we had we, we knew we had Man City coming up and we knew what that was likely to be like and I think the fact that, that we managed to get that goal in the last minute I think it's just been a huge lift for everyone and I mean people obviously went absolutely crazy when that goal went in those are the moments you know being a Palace fan they're just they're just you know they're precious to us and in the Premier League we're not going to get that many of those and it's important that we uh, that we savour those moments so it was a great great game to be at um, wasn't a brilliant spectacle but all importantly we came away with three points and it brings Villa back into it and it, and it gave us a good platform to go into that Man City game now well we've got an awful lot to talk about with Man City um, we do have um, um, a uh, what do I to call them a, a guest of some kind <laughs> a guy called Luke who's going to come on he's a Man City fan I'm going to talk to him about the Man City perspective of that game before we get into our bits and pieces. But first up, we've got um, Tony Pulis's press conference. Get involved with the show. Email radio at homestyle.net or call us on 0208 1234 Homestyle Radio. Voices for Palace Watch. Faces for Crime Watch. No, the lads, you know, we work very, very hard in the shape and the, the dis- discipline of the team when we when we haven't got the ball and, you know, the goal, you know, we, we was disappointed. We, we, you know, we want people to get in behind the goals or in between the goal sticks, you know, when crosses are coming in, but then they have to pick up, you know, it's no good getting there. You've got to then pick up, you can't mark space. And, um, you know, we've got caught at maybe getting a little bit tired, um, but the reaction once the ball goes across the face of the goal to the back post, people should have been marking Jekyll, should have looked and picked him up um, but you know that's a criticism and it's it's a harsh criticism of the way the lads have played you know so second game on the road you know Villa was a very very tough game and a draining game and then to come to well what looks as though we'll be the champions if, if you know if, if anything and, and putting a performance like that was was fantastic and hard save off Ward you know I think Ward should have scored at the end with a header on the back post you know Punchins had a couple of great headers even the chances first half across the goal we've created good opportunities and good chances guys yeah 
know, I'm never happy anyway. The people who, who, who have worked with me will always say that, you know, I'm, I'm not that type of manager that's always, you know, smiling happy. I, I, I see things and we talk and work on things in training. And then, um, you know, if we don't do them in games, then, you know, they get told. But they're a good group of lads and they work their absolute socks off today. And we're really, really disappointed that we've not got nothing out of the game. Well, that was uh, was the, the words of Tony Pulis. Obviously, uh, quite critical of the way the goal that we conceded, but by his own admission, it was pretty harsh. And, um, well, really, it was, I think from our perspective, it was um, it was a shame it went in, but you, you can't argue with the, the Man City dominance. Anyway, uh, on the line, we've got Luke. Hello, Luke. Hi, guys. Good evening. Good evening, indeed. Um, mm, no Manchester accent there. Yeah. How long did that take? <laughs> yeah, well, we we got a bit of criticism last week for having a Newcastle fan on with no Newcastle accent. Is there any way you can put some sort of accent on to uh, to avoid what's up? Some sort of in the sunshine sort of thing. Perfect. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, mate. That was my man. That was good. Anyway, I'll stop. I'll stop. Yeah, I was getting distracted. It's a bit too early for that. Let's um, let's talk about the game. I mean, obviously. What was your perception before the match of, of what you might see? I mean, I was a little bit sceptical sceptical to begin with, because I think, you know, there was all this talk of how, how many is it going to be, four, five, six, etc. And I think there's almost become sort of too much pressure on City to score, you know, all these all these goals. Mm. And I thought, you know, the way that Pulis has sort of come in and, and set Palace up, especially against, you know, bigger teams such as City, you know, it was always going to be hard to, hard to break it. You know, break Palace down. Mm. I think if we had scored, I think if we had scored, say early early on, it would have been a completely different game. But the longer the game went on, and the more Palace grew into it, I think you know, they they gained in confidence. And obviously, I think by the end of it, we were sort of lucky to come away with three points in the end. Yeah, it was an odd game, wasn't it? Because I mean, quite you're used to dominating possession anyway, but probably not to that that sort of level. But I mean, I suppose let's get straight to the point. Pellegrini was critical post match about Palace's approach to the game, but I mean, I suppose from a Palace perspective, we'll say, well, how else do you want us to play? Um, you know, we're playing against a, a team hundreds of millions of pounds worth of talent. What we're not going to sort of go toe to toe with you, are we? Are we? We're going to we're going to try and get you know play the best way possible to get a result. I mean, what what was your view on our approach? Yeah, I mean, I. I would never knock a, you know, any any team sort of coming to City, especially after the way that we've performed in the last, sort of, you know, the whole of this season at home. Anyway, you know, mm. why 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 would a team come out and and play, you know, as openly as perhaps you know a Holloway team might have done? Come out and play really open and, and get caught. I mean, like Nor- I think Norwich tried it and we went seven past them. Yeah. I think the, the, the biggest example would probably be Newcastle, the very first game of the season. You know, Pardew came and almost played three up front and left so much exposed at the back, and that's probably probably our best performance of the season and we just tore, tore them apart and I think you know yesterday the way that Palace did set up I wouldn't you know I, I wouldn't knock them at all I think you know there was so many there was so little almost between the lines for for, for Silver and you know throughout the whole game and, and Nasri when he came on there was nothing in there and they were almost having to come so deep to collect the ball there was you know eight nine Palace players behind the ball and, and it made it you know a hundred times harder than it would have been say you know say if it had been I'd you know, Holloway's team, I think. So, I th- yeah. I, you know, I would not, I would not feel this for, for setting up the way he did at all. For your, I mean, in terms of your your own performance, do you think you did as well as you could, or, or were you, you know, were you a little bit concerned about how things panned out? Uh, I think, you know, we 
you know, it, I shouldn't say this. There's so many, so many different players that we can bring in, but with with a much changed side, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, expecting a, you know, us to play as well as we could do. I think, you know, you know, Aguero's Aguero's out, and you know, he's been far and away our best player this season. Um, mm. I think we missed we missed him slightly, and although I'm not, I'm not Jekka's biggest fan. You know, he does tend to to do the business. But, yeah. Um, no, yeah, I wasn't overly impressed with us. And I think I think we lacked a bit through the middle. I think. You know, Garcia was you know, sort of non, sort of floated through the game. Doesn't really offer us anything. It was almost a game where we didn't need a, you know, a holding midfield player in there. You know, we've Palace sort of barely had barely had the ball in that in that area. It was almost a waste of a player, and we could have played two up top. I think. Yeah. But I suppose you know, I, I suppose Pellegrini was almost, you know, resting players because it's you know it's a busy period, and if you've got a big enough squad, you know, you can do that. I was going to ask Luke before the game uh, when when the start eleven came out and and you you know you see that some regular players are missing Nazri Negredo, Kolarov, Torre, they're all brilliant players. Do you think that it was because you were playing Palace that they that they weren't playing, or do you think it was because of you know the the, the busy Christmas period? Because a few Palace fans sort of felt that it was a little bit cocky and a little bit complacent from City. So what, what was your view on that? Yeah, I think I would agree. I think it's, I think it's a little bit. I say disrespectful but I, I I think it was a little bit cocky of us you know it's a sort of it's a sort of team that we might put out say in the Carling Cup if we're going out you know like we did against Leicester or you know we, we have done in previous rounds against Wigan but yeah I still I still think you know if, especially with it being so tight at the top I think you know in the Premier League I think you should always try if you've got the players available no matter who you're playing you should always try and play play your strongest side and I think when it did come out I mean I I, I looked at the team and I, I not felt worried but I thought you know if we don't get an early goal here, we might we might start to struggle, which you know which which we did in the end, and we almost paid for it. Yeah, uh, Joe Hart obviously uh, got given man of the match. I, I, I hesitate to say the words that says it all because that was being said so much over Twitter. I think it was tw- trending in the end, but yeah. I, I mean, I mean, he was absolutely key in, in a couple of saves there. I mean, did that Palace's sort of attacking when we did attack, which obviously wasn't a tremendous amount, but when we did attack, we looked very dangerous. Did that surprise you? Yeah, I think I think it did a little bit. I think, you know, firstly, I think Hart, you know, again showed showed what you know. He, I don't want to say back to his best, but I think he, you know, he did show what he's what he's very much capable of. And uh, and I was pleased for him that you know he made he made all those saves. But, but I mean, as a Palace, as a, a player that I've never really rated at all in Jason Punchin, I thought was I thought he played really well, especially in the yeah. second half. There was there was sort of two or three times he received the ball on the right hand side, and he almost had. Looked up and saw Shamak surrounded by three City players, and I think, you know, and then he, you know, took on Clichy, took on Garcia, and and got a couple of shots away. And I think, you know, when you're in a, you know, a relegation dogfight, as it were, you you need players like that who, you know, you've got Blasi on the other side as well, and you need players like that who are you're going to sort of take the take the game by the scruff of the neck almost when you've not had a lot of the ball, and think, you know, and just drive for goal. And I think it almost relieves a little bit of pressure, and and I think we began to panic because we thought, oh, you know. Should they be doing this to us? Which yeah, again, well, you know, shows, shows a bit of cockiness. Yeah, it's funny that you, you pick him out because we've we've spent weeks arguing about him and whether he should even be at the club and things like that. And um, you know that that performance was a bit of a surprise to us as well. I think, although you know he has been improving of late. But um, yeah, you're right. It is good to have a player doing that, and just wish he did it more often. To be honest. But um, okay, I mean, last little bit for you. Really, is just talk about Man, Man City as a whole. I mean, it's been a Positive season for you. You've obviously just been knocked off the top by uh, by virtue of, of, of um, Arsenal going ahead of you. But I mean, you're looking a, a lot stronger for the title this year. Are you confident? 
Yeah, I am. But I suppose, uh, I mean, I've been a City fan all my life, so I'm, I'm used to the whole typical City thing. And I think, I don't know, I, I think if we can, obviously, I mean... And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Keeping up the home form is imperative, and I think you know we've just got to, just got to improve the uh, the away form. But uh, you know the teams that we've lost to away from home this season, you know Sunderland, Cardiff, and you know teams like that, they're all you know got to come back to our place. And I think we've got to play four of the top five away. And I think that almost might suit us in the sense that we do tend to play better against the better sides, you know, yeah. as we've shown at home. Um, but no, I think you know with Aguero coming back in a couple of weeks and. You know, I'd like to see, and you know, Stefan Jovetic is meant, well, hopefully, going to be fit in a couple of weeks, and I, I really want to see a bit, a bit of him. But I think if you know, if we get everybody back, and and, and I know we've got obviously Champions League football in, in February, but I think if we can get every everyone fit and everyone firing, I don't see why we, you know, we shouldn't shouldn't win the league. Excellent. And yeah, you're happy with how Pellegrini's doing? Yeah, I really like Pellegrini. I, you know, I, I was a, at the end of the last season, I was a little bit gutted about Mancini going, but. Since Pellegrini's come in, he's he's almost I say changed, you know he's changed the way we've played. We've gone almost all out attack, which I, you know which I've liked. And I've, but I've uh, and I've liked his signings. I've you know I've been a massive fan of Fernandinho, who's picked up a little bit of stick at the start of the year mm. for uh, you know for, for not doing a lot. But I think a lot of what he does do allows Torre to you know maraud forward and go on his runs and and you know with the, the amount of goals we scored from him bombing on and, and things like that have, have actually uh, have worked well for us. But yeah, no, I think overall Pellegrini's done a good job so far, and I think, you know we've got out of our group in Europe for the first time. So I don't think you can ask too much more of him at the moment. Absolutely. Well, listen, Luke. Thank you so much for giving us your perspective. Much appreciated. And no uh, obviously, best of luck for the the rest of the season, other than the obvious. Yeah. Okay. You too, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, Luke. Bye now. Thank you. Bye. Okay. So there you go. That's the, the, the Man City perspective. Good of Luke to sort of acknowledge the fact that that, that Palace couldn't really approach that game any other way I mean there's a lot we can look look at there um, <clears throat> I mean obviously Tony Pulis was, was delighted with how we did um, but but like many of us I guess is probably slightly disappointed um, you know it, it's just, well it's odd to feel disappointed after such a such a strong performance but I guess I guess we do I mean Ben you, you feel a little gutted not to come out of that game or something yeah I mean having watched the game it, I was gutted, yeah, to be honest. I mean, you look at the possession, we only had you know, 23 24% possession, and that's to be expected against a team like City. We knew that they were going to go out there and, and boss the game, really. But, you know, defensively, we were so solid, and, and it was it was really good to watch. Although they had a lot of chances, we you know we dealt with it really well, and it took them 66 minutes to score. I tweeted yesterday, it's the longest they've taken against any team in the Premier League this season at the Etihad, you know, to score. And, and that, 
is credit to to the defenders. They perform brilliantly, and yeah, like you say, on a different day, maybe one of those chances from you know punching or, or the ward header or the shamak header, you know, maybe one of those would have crept in and and we could have seen a different result. Yeah, I mean, it, it all stemmed from uh, from Pudis naming an unchanged team, which, considering the proximity of the games, Alex, was a bit of a surprise. But, um, well, again, we talked about Ward starting in central midfield against Villa. Obviously played very, very well against Villa. So I guess probably less of a surprise that he started that way against uh, Man, uh, against Man City. Yeah, he grew into he grew into the the game again as well. I think the funny thing with Ward is if you if you don't give him any time on the ball in central midfield, he's absolutely fantastic. But if you give him a bit of time to think about things, then then maybe his right back and his defensive influences comes in, comes into it. But I'm yeah, I, I think it's a shame he's actually he's been put there. But I I wouldn't have changed. Would you change a winning side even though even though you're that tired? Um. I, I, again, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Again, I'm trying not to, to sort of affect it with hindsight too much, but I have to say, when I when the teams came out, I was again, I was disappointed, and ironically, considering the fact that he was probably our best player, I was I, I was annoyed that Punchin started the game, and I would have liked to have us to either have gone with Johnny Williams, or like, or, or yeah, exactly, or Dwight Gale, and, and try and shuffle the pack a little bit. Um, Moving sort of banning around to sort of cover Punchin's position and just having Gale up with with Shamak because that was something I was looking forward to and obviously that's the weird thing as well. Shamak comes back, our top scorer was absolutely flying before the suspension and he doesn't even get back in the team. But that's the way Tony Pulis manages. He said as much. He said you know it's harder to almost get out of his teams than it is to get get in them um, in in some way. So um, I don't I you know I don't really know what to to. It's, I can't criticise because it was such a, a good performance, but part of me just wonders, you know, could, well, could have the changes that we did make, could they have come a bit sooner? Um, and, and really, were we adventurous enough? I suppose those are things that you wonder, but I, you know, I know, I know how it goes. If we'd gone out there, it's exactly like Luke was telling us, if you go out there and you attack, the chances are we would have, we would have seen the score that many people were predicting. So, um, you know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just disappointed that we didn't take one of the chances we did create, and they were, they were chances that of the type that I didn't really think that we'd get. I didn't think that Chamac would get a chance for a free header, you know, in the centre of goal, and, and I didn't think that Punchin would be able to dribble past three or four and, and smash a shot away and and things like that. And obviously, Joel Ward had, had an absolutely glorious opportunity um, after he'd done all the hard work with a, with a long range shot, which which um, Hart saved brilliantly. He was completely free on the back post and just got his header all wrong, unfortunately, because you know, any proper connection on that and on goal, it's a very hard one to save because it's point blank range. And you've got, you got to say he should should have done better and he, he knew it as well. So there was so much there for us. Um, but, I mean, you, you can't dwell on it too much because it was it's one of those where it's a little bit like the Chelsea game. It was that good a performance that it actually, the effect of a loss isn't really that great. It's almost enough a, a boost. You know, obviously a win would have been a massive boost, but it's, you know, I think there's very little difference between losing that game one nil and drawing it, or you know, other than the uh, the point on the board, I guess. But Chris, you've got to you've got to <laughs> think about it like this: we we can we keep sitting there and going, oh yeah, we played brilliantly against Chelsea, we played brilliantly against against Manchester City. I know these these teams are massive, but when is it going to be? That we actually really need these points, and I and I know I know how fantastically we played, and we should take a lot of spirit from it and a lot of confidence. But we're actually missing out on points from from missing chances there against against Manchester City. I don't want to put a negative light on it, but we can't. I don't mm. think we can always think that positively in that light. We had 
ex exactly amount of same shots on target as they did. If we'd scored one of those, we would have come away with a point. I think we have to be a little bit disappointed, but we played fantastically well. I think you're right there, Alex. We can't, you know, you can't exactly if you end up going down and you end up, you know, getting losing your, your spot in this division. It's no real consolation saying, "Oh, do you remember how well we played away to Man City?" It's it's not, and that's that's the harsh thing. But I mean, we we can't ask too much more of our team. Put it that way. Um, Stuart, you've got some tweets and probably an opinion of your own. Yeah, I'm mean, just listening to you guys. You know, I, and you know, it's, it is the story of the Premiership, really, isn't it? I mean, we we played fantastically well at home to Arsenal. We played well away to Chelsea, and we and we played well yesterday against City, and it's. It, it is the difference in quality, isn't it? You, the chances you get in, in the championship, you more or less score. The chances you get in the premiership, you come up against a top goalkeeper or a top defender, and it, and it just doesn't happen. And, and, and it won't happen, really, until you, you, you get that mainstay in the premiership and you stay there longer than a season. You can develop the squad. You can de de develop the quality. And the chances that you get next season, you know, you'll end up putting the ball in the back of the net. And it's, you know, it's, you, you can't criticise the effort we put in yesterday and the performance as well to go with it. Um, if, you know, if, if anyone had said, to me yesterday, do you know what? I reckon you'll probably lose one nil, but you'll 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 contain City. You'll make them work hard for your victory, for their victory, um, and that that will be it. Would you be happy with that? I would. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, while you're collating the um, the, the uh, tweets of the listeners, and there's a lot there. Obviously, you can't get to them all. Thanks. There's a quite a lot of discussion going on as well. I noticed, which is great to see. But um, yeah, if you pick out a few uh, few of the top points, and Ben, you wanted to make a quick point. Yeah, just quickly, you mentioned just then, Stuart, about playing well at home to Arsenal, well away to uh, to Chelsea, and then yesterday at City. You look at you know those kind of teams. Man City's team yesterday cost 140 million, and ours was 3.6 million. And you mentioned how how kind of close we were to getting something from that. Maybe the golfing class in the Premier League isn't as you know as much as we first thought. We know that the golfing money is a lot, but when we can go to teams like that. You know, and, and play so well and nearly get points. You know, that gives me hope that that we will stay up this season um, because we're doing that. It's a really good point, Ben. I mean, you don't want to dwell too much on it, but I mean, Joe's one who's reminded us plenty of times that the hundreds of millions of pounds difference there is between the teams, and it's not just about the, the transfer uh, fees to assemble that team. I think in terms of wages, you could probably take one of their players and pay half of our team. That that's how different it, it is off the off the pitch if you like but I mean on the pitch we can't we can't go and impose ourselves on on a, on a team like Man City and that's that's the real difference it, the golf isn't so much in terms of uh, not being able to be relatively competitive we can be relatively competitive we've proven that and we, you know we've got to take a lot the, the team take a lot of credit for that but what what we can't do at the moment and what, and what Ian Holloway struggled with as, as a you know as, as a fact is that we can't compete toe to toe with them we can't we can't impose anything that we want to do on them we have to we have to let them have the ball and that's that's a hard thing to to do as well as we're doing it and that's where tony pulis and the coaching staff have to take an awful lot of credit uh, alongside those players stuart yeah um yeah we've got obviously got a few tweets coming um on the performance uh yesterday at city um Got one here from Dominic Barnes. Uh, great performance. Unlucky with the result. And Pellegrini doesn't know what he's talking about. Hashtag Bellend. 
<laughs> I like the hashtag. Short, succinct, and to the point, I think, there. And uh, Colin Squire, city manager moaning about two games in two days. At least they were both at home and no travelling involved. Good point. Very strange, though, don't you think, this season? Um, over, the fest- over the festive season, both away games. But, but, but not just us, but everyone. Yeah, there was a more detailed point. I'll let you carry on in a second. So I just wanted to make on on Homesdale Online earlier on. I read a fantastic post about about that exact point that we um we travelled because the, the side didn't go home after um after the game against Villa. They sort of obviously stayed up that way and, and trained in the follow trained the following morning and just tried to recover as best they could. But you think about the fact that that our players had to sort of leave leave their families on Christmas travel up to Birmingham and didn't get home until after City and you think about him moaning about them being tired and I mean it just shows you how out you know he's doing a great job at Man City for them but he obviously has no respect or conscience about <laughs> about our team because mm. you know he's he's made a criticism there and he hasn't thought it through because we had a much harder game of things you know we haven't got the squad he's got and we had a lot 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 further to travel so shows he's talking absolute nonsense sorry Stuart off you go and, and, and I think good thing to say there as well is, is an absolutely amazing effort by our fans. You know, travelling to Villa and then another two and a half thousand up at uh, up at Manchester in a couple of days. It's a fantastic response, I think. Yeah. Um, Patrick O'Connor. Um, sorry, so many tweets on yesterday's performance. Um, just getting to a few of them here. Patrick O'Connor says, uh, did the best we could under the circumstances. Um, had we converted a chance, a draw would have been deserved. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, Brad Thomas, last one on this one. Um, actually gutted we lost. Enjoyed Ward working well in midfield and the fullbacks being solid. It's good talking point actually Joel Ward isn't it central midfield um I, I I'm liking him there uh, I, I think uh, I mean I, I saw a post on the uh, on the whole um earlier today about whether or not we um you know he should be sticking there um I think that's all dependent on what Pulis thinks of Jack Hunt really when he comes mm. back from injury I mean if, if Hunt does the job in right back um I think we might see Ward there um on a more permanent stay in central yeah. midfield I'd agree with that, Stuart. I don't. I don't like Mariepa as a fullback. Um, I think he was, he looks decent as a centre back myself. Um, maybe he hasn't got the height that Pulis wants and what have you. But I would certainly, you know, with the greatest respect to Danny Gabadon, who showed at times how valuable his experience is. I, I do think. I do think I would play Mariepa over him. Um, but like you say, it depends a lot on Hunt or whether we go out and we look at, look at another fullback in that transfer window. A lot of people asking questions about that transfer window. We'll try and have a little chat about that since. I mean, since it's two two minutes to nine anyway, so we're going to overrun. We might as well overrun in style, eh? Um, <laughs> oh dear, it's not like I've got loads of work to do or anything. Anyway, um, and obviously there's a lot of stuff we've we've kind of discussed as we've gone. Really, um, we, we've talked about that lineup. We've talked about the sort of Man City side of things, and uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I imagine it's probably Alex who's going to have a strong opinion on this, is the injury to Cameron Jerome. Uh, Cameron Jerome's been arguably quite an important part of the Tony Pulis regime. Um, got himself a goal, been a very good sort of target man. But um, arguably he doesn't offer that enough of a goal threat, perhaps if you're going to label a criticism. Um, but I guess, Alex, was it you who wrote that little note in our show document? Yes, that was me. So what, what's your opinion on the, the Jerome injury, bearing in mind uh, potential replacements and things like that? I just, I just think, you know what? I like Jerome, and and I like what he brings. He runs, honestly. He just runs for ninety minutes, and he puts the players under pressure. But unfortunately, at this level, you have to do a little bit more than running. You have to be able to 
get the ball on the six-yard box and score, get it on the penalty spot and have a shot, and he just doesn't do it. He's a centre-forward. And I remember, yes, uh, um, against Villa, the ball opened up for him on the edge of the box, and, and he tried to pass it to, uh, he tried to feed a ball through to Balassi. Any normal centre-forward, for me, that plays in the top flight, will be curling that round into the top corner, at least trying to do that. If, it's, if it goes in the stand, I don't really care, but he's had a go. In this division, you need a lot more than just being able to chase down offenders and wear them out. You need to be able to score goals, whether that's him or whether that's Shamak or who can who can we put in there is, is the is the obvious question. But I just think, for me, let's let's look for a striker in the window. Mm, well, I mean, the, the obvious thing is if he has injured himself as badly as it does look, um, we do have to make that decision next up um, we'll talk. I'll tell you what, we'll talk about that about the Norwich game. We'll, we'll have a little chat about who potentially could come in. Um, before we talk about who maybe we could look at in the window. Um, I guess just another quick um, discussion about Punch, and we talked about about him with uh, with Luke, the Man City fan, on a little while ago. Um, we talked about him in the Villa game, and yet again he's a focal point of this of the, the Man City game, but for all the right reasons. And um, a lot of people you know, already got in touch about Jason Punch, and I don't think we need to say too much more, but I mean, for me, he was our man of the match. Does does anyone disagree? No, I don't disagree. I mean, uh, watching the game, if anybody was going to score for Palace for, for the majority of it, it was going to be Jason Punchin. Um, yeah, a few good chances, and he, he did really well down that right side too. No, yeah, I, I agree. He was man of the match. I thought Mele, I thought Mele, Jednak had a really, really solid game back to his best. And he really led from the front, didn't he? Picked up the ball so many times, just bombed, bombed right forward. I thought, he had a, I, thought, I thought actually most people played really fantastically well. I can't stand and, and criticise anybody. Mm. No, like I say, my, I, my only uh, thoughts are obviously Chimac came on very early on in the game um, to replace Cameron Jerome. But in terms of the other two substitutions, you had Williams came on for Balassi and Gale on for Bannon. And, and they happened... Well, Williams was in the 75th minute and Gale in the 81st. And I suppose, arguably, that's the right time to, to sort of go for it. Because if you open up the team a little bit earlier on, then um, potentially the, you know, the defeat could have been bigger. But the way the game flowed, I would, I would have liked to have seen us react perhaps a little bit quicker to that. Um, obviously, once we went behind, you, you feared that we might crumble a little bit. But the opposite happened. The, the lads had a bit of a spring in their step. And you know we were creating chances, and we were, had little spells of pressure, and that was the time I felt it would have been slightly better. I think Bannon had started to fade in the in the game and wasn't really getting on the ball very much, and I thought that would have been a good time, sort of you know around the sort of 65, 70 minute mark to get Gale on the pitch, give him a, you know, give him plenty of time, and to make sure he had an opportunity because he didn't get one in the nine minutes he had, and um, and certainly Johnny Williams, uh, you know, I want him on the pitch as soon as possible in any game, and and I think. Balassi's effectiveness after Boyata went off was um, was a little bit low, and I think that was time that to, to look at replacing Balassi. But there you go. I mean, these are all. Sort of, sort Can I just say quickly as well? Sorry, Chris. Um, against a team like City, it's a difficult situation for Pulis. I agree. If we were playing Villa or, or Norwich or a team down, you know, down to our end of the league, you'd say yeah, definitely. If we go a goal down, get some attacking players on. But there's a you know, a danger against Man City if we concede one and then you bring on some attacking players trying to get back into the game. You know, the floodgates open. You you, you saw it with Fulham yeah. yesterday. I mean, they they conceded six, and you know, we we that, the last thing we want is to is to go out there and concede six. So I think against City, it's a difficult situation for Bulis to work out. You know, do we shut up shop or do we really go for it and, and try and get a point out of this? Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree. So I'm just laughing at Stuart in the chat. Um, 
yeah, I just think um, you're, you're right, and I totally understand that. I really do. I, I, you can't you can't know for certain anything. You know, you you can't know. Any, we, the thing is, we were creating chances anyway. Um, and who's to say we'd have created more if we did go a little bit more attacking? I think that the system was working, and, and you know, and it's just really it was more taking of chances than it was creating of them. Uh, but that's why I'd like to have seen Gale on the pitch a bit longer because one thing I do think he will do is he will convert a chance if he gets one. Um, but there you go. Look, we, you know, we're, we're splitting hairs really because we had a, it was a very good performance and we're unlu- we were unlucky not to get anything. We really were. And um, yeah, okay, he didn't have much of possession. Yeah, okay, we. You know, if Man City were slightly less profligate, I don't know if that's even how you pronounce it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those words I've always I've written and I've read, but I've never said out loud until that moment. <laughs> it's a problem. Um, look, and then the last little bit uh, before we get to some, the forward reviews of both games, um, Tony Pugh's picked out a little bit of criticism for the goal we conceded, and I wanted to see what he was talking about and went, watched it a few times over earlier on. And... Um, I just, I really, I can kind of see what he means. It's just a little momentary lapse from both Delaney and Gabadon. They get caught ball watching. It's a second ball, obviously. Ball comes in. Delaney tries to head it out and actually heads it wide to, I think it was Silver. And Silver just takes a little bit of a moment. And as he as he's looking up, Jekko just peels off a little bit from standing sort of in line with Gabadon and Delaney. He just drops back and gets his hand up and there's no reaction from either of the two. Uh, Gabadon's had a little look over his shoulder at one point to see where Jekko is. As soon as he looks back, Jekko moves. And it's just, it's a little tiny thing. It is a lapse. No matter how harsh a criticism it is and how harsh an indictment it is on the performance just to have that one little lapse, it's still a lapse. And we've talked about that before. You, you, make, you make a tiny mistake at this level, you get punished, particularly against... It's all it takes in this division. Absolutely, Alex. And um, it's a shame because if they, if they smash one in from 30 yards top corner... You know, you just you just hold your hands up. But when it's just a little bit of indecision, it's very very hard to take. And I can see why Pulis sort of rolled out that criticism. Um, last little bit on Pulis actually. I'll get your opinion, Alex. We talked earlier on about him mentioning Gale in the press and saying how it was, um, you know, maybe not the best decision to to get him for the money we paid and all that sort of stuff. And how he wasn't quite ready. Uh, and he comes on against Villa and does that. Is that a sign of Tony Pulis being a bit cle- more of a clever manager and knowing how to use the media and using, you know, to, to how to motivate a player? Uh, maybe. Uh, I, I don't know really. Tony Tony Pulis is a very experienced manager and he knows exactly what he's doing and what he's saying because he's been there and done it so many times before. Whether whether it was intended for that reason to motivate, you just don't know because he's only been given what five. 15 minutes, 15 minutes here and there. It's not as if he's he said, I expect a lot from Dwight Gale, then starts him two games in a row and see what he comes up with. Mm, that's a fair point. I, I You know, I... Yeah, I don't... I, I, yeah, I, I do think he was trying to be a little bit clever, but I also think he's talking about managing expectation. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, depending on the work we do in the window, to see Dwight Gale go out on loan as well. I don't necessarily think it's the best thing to do, but... Uh, I'm preparing myself for it being something that happens. I think it's interesting. I did notice a story in the mirror as well about uh, we had a points target for Tony Pulis to earn a certain amount of money to spend in the January window. And I noticed his pre- post-match press conferences talked not directly about that, but he, he talked about you know getting a number of points on the board and things like that, being and enabling him to go out in the transfer market. So it seems there's probably a bit of truth in that. Um, so I, I think we're going to see some movement in that, and we've got a couple of emails on that subject, 
which we'll come to in a little while. But I think we'll we'll take this moment to have a, a look ahead to the to the game on New Year's Day against Norwich. Uh, ben, you've got some notes on this, but I'm also going to yep. read an email we got from Colin Fernley. Uh, Colin says, uh, I buy just a bit concerned after our two great away performances that we do not allow a bit of complacency to creep in when we play Norwich this week. It was noticeable that after a great performance against the top side in Chelsea, we capitulated the following game against Newcastle. We just have to ensure that we're up for it or we'll undo all the good work done over the last week. We cannot afford to lose to Norwich. Uh, thanks, Colin. Um, so that's kind of, that. I guess that's the fear, isn't it? When we have had a chance to go and uh, capitalise on some good performances, we don't I think the Swansea game was an example of, of us suddenly losing it. I think if you go back further under Holloway's reign, Fulham was seen as a chance to get three points on the board and we completely fell apart. Um, I wonder if there's going to be a danger there, Ben. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be you know worries about complacency, especially with the last sort of home game against Newcastle when we got hammered. I'm not saying New- Norwich are anywhere near the, the ilk of, of Norwich, but hopefully we, we can get three points. I'm confident that we will go and get three points, but yeah, I agree that it, it is potentially a worry. So, um, what should we be looking at for Norwich? What, what, what work have you done for me? Oh, I've got a few stats. I'll, I'll, I'll rattle through them and then we can discuss it after. Uh, they're on a horrible run of form at the moment. They haven't won since the 7th of December. That was against West Brom. And then since then, they've drawn two uh, and lost two. The two draws against Swansea and Sunderland. And then they go into our game on the back of two defeats against Fulham and Man United. That was yesterday. Uh, top scorer is Gary Hooper with seven, uh, followed by Leroy Fair with four two of their summer signings actually they spent a lot of money in the summer their marquee signing was, was Ricky Van Walswingle for, for just short of 9 million he's been a bit of a flop actually mm. um, you know he, he seems to now be getting sort of 15-20 minutes here and there off the bench um, but like I said Gary Hooper 5.5 million Leroy for 4.8 so you know a couple of others as well so they've, they've got goals in them in, in those two um, they're 14th which on paper is pretty good but they finished a pretty miraculous 11th last season so after the money they spent in the summer the fans we pretty disappointed that they're only three points away from the relegation zone. Uh, if we beat them, we can overtake them. So it's a big game for both teams, really. Both got the same goal difference on minus 16. Uh, and, and on New Year's Day, Fulham have got West Ham, which is 18th versus 19th. So mm. essentially, well, one, potentially two teams are going to drop points there. And West Brom have got Newcastle, Cardiff have got Arsenal. So, you know, points are going to be dropped. And a pretty good stat to finish on for me is uh, if we win, there's a good chance we'll go 14th, which is pretty mad. That would so, be be impressive uh, a few little things to pick up and obviously they did lose that last game against man united but by all accounts uh, in that first half they were um they were by far the better side which is not an easy thing to do even uh, even against david Moyes' man united rather than sir alex ferguson's but um and the other the other sort of point of contention is that you know we we went to norwich and we lost and gary hooper got i think which is his, his first goal for them maybe um and scored a few since so i mean when we went up there, we weren't great, but it was a hard one to take losing that game one nil. Um, so I think maybe a bit of revenge in store, perhaps. On plenty of things to be positive about, with you know with decent support at home. The Newcastle game was an aberration, um, as was playing against Swansea before that. Uh, but in both cases, they're two very very good sides. So we've got a lot to be positive about, I think. And um, well, let's see how positive the fans are. Stuart, you've got a few predictions in. Sorry, it's just unmuting my microphone there. Um, <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, we've got um, quite a few. Uh, bear with me for a second. Uh, uh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Sweater weather. Aidan Tullock says uh, Palace 2-0 with Ward and Schumach scoring. 
Uh, 3-1 Palace from Alex Atkins. Uh, Shamak punching and Gale scoring. Uh, Patrick O'Connor, another 3-1 Palace with Shamak punching and Delaney. Uh, 3-1. 3-1's proven to be quite popular here. Jeninak mm. and two for Jerome. I'm not sure how Jerome's going to score. Um, <laughs> hey. but, um, lots uh, CPF CPFC uh, predicts lots of mustard and a spot of partridge delivered in a lotus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's very good, yes. Um, mm. We need to be careful not to get carried away. If we keep our shape and discipline, we can beat them. That comes from ASAP Bocky. Um, Brad Thomas, 3-0 to Palace, positive thinking. Shamak, punching and Bannon. Uh, Jill's been on. He says uh, 90 miles from Alpington. That doesn't make any sense at all, does it? No, I'm going to I'm going to check that on multi map actually because I'm not sure that's mm. right. But um, Jared says one nil to Palace with punching. Uh, and final one here, Dean Powell says two nil to Palace. Jedi and Shamak. Uh, Jedi has been teasing with a humdinger all season. One has to go in. Okay, excellent. And um, well, I'm feeling similarly positive, but I'm not going to go with a three-one scoreline. Um, but I do think we'll we'll take that one. I think it'll be a, a my usual favourite result. I think it's going to be a two-nil Palace that one. Uh, ben. Well, yeah, my first two choices would have been three-one and two-nil, but um, I can't I can't go for that now. Let's go for two-one Palace, but uh, they'll score a late goal, so it'll be it'll be all done and dusted by then. I think. All right, Alex. Tough, very, very tough. We've been on an excellent run. I just think they're going to come and try and do what we do to other teams, and I'm going to go with a one-all. Hmm. It's a bit negative. <laughs> bit of a thing about you. <laughs> well, I tend to do better when I when I do one-alls rather than predicting us to win. So, oh, it's okay, a little, uh, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Sorry, I was reading more tweets. I forgot to actually carry on talking. You can tell it's got to that stage of the show where I forget what I'm doing. It's good. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me just get back to the uh, show document. There we go. Um, hmm, what to do next? Uh, we've had a message in from Jason from Minneapolis. Just want to mention this one. Um, most of it's a, a comment about him listening to the podcast on long winter commutes through Minneapolis. Very odd to hear that. I don't know. <laughs> it always makes me feel a bit weird that my voice is... Hundreds, hundreds of miles away being listened to, but um, yeah, listen, thank, thanks for your comments. But his, his question for us is, um, what impact do we think that Murray's return to the team will be? And obviously, I mentioned my own feelings um, on that, that I, I do actually doubt that Glenn Murray will make the twenty-five. But let's um, let's assume that he does make the twenty-five. Uh, ben, can he be effective at this level? Well, yeah, there was talk from from both Holloway when he was there and, and Pulis as well that, that Glenn Murray will be like a new signing when he comes back in January which would indicate that he would be in the 25 obviously I don't know uh, how that will work out if he's going to be fully fit by the time it comes to it all, all that sort of thing but he was prolific in the championship as we all know but the Premier League's a different ball game really and I don't think he'd be anywhere near as good he, he's he's a goal poacher in a way you know he scores a lot of kind of close range goals a few headers it'd be difficult for him to, to make his mark especially you know coming from from the background that he's come from you know he's not used to to that higher level of football so it's difficult I don't I don't think he'll make as much of an impact and I don't think he'll play that many games in the second half of the season you mentioned earlier about him potentially not playing a Premier League game this season then being you know one for next season um, so I'd, I'd probably go with that as, as much as I want him to play and I want him to, to prove me wrong and, and be prolific in the Premier League I'm, I'm just not sure it'll happen mm. It's one of those isn't it I mean obviously it's not been not been in the side so you kind of you do forget again 
you kind yeah. of it's another one of those, isn't it? You kind of forget about the impact he made and how good he was last season. Um, he scored an awful lot of goals, and uh, people doubted him at Championship level, and and were proven wrong once he got the supply. And Gels always, always, always on about it. Um, hmm, I'm just getting confused between what people are telling me, but I think Stuart, you wanted to make a point on the subject first. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, as much as I rate him, I, I just think it's going to be awfully difficult for him to to come in mid-season and and have a massive effect, and particularly in a team that's obviously battling against relegation. Um, you know, there'll be there'll be probably a huge amount of pressure on him. There'll be a lot of fans thinking, "Ah, brilliant, Murray's back. We'll start banging in some goals now." And I think that will be an, an awful amount of pressure on him. Um, I think he should be eased in, and that means you know maybe not. Not not playing any kind of part this season, then so be it. I think he'll he'll make a much better impact on the team, uh, regardless of what league we're in next season. Um, mm. um, if, if he's eased in and maybe doesn't start till next season, and I think that's really tough because obviously it's, you know if we don't stay up, it was his goals that got us here in, the, in you know in the first place, and he you know he hasn't played any part at all for us in the Premiership, and that's mm. you know it's really tough, but that's life, and he's got to get on with it and. Um, yeah, I you know I I just don't want there to be too much of a you know this massive hoo ha about him coming back and suddenly it's being you know prolific in front of goal because that I'm afraid is just not going to happen with or without him. I enjoyed the phrase massive hoo ha there. Um, talking of which, <laughs> it's, it's um, one I haven't used since 1989. I have to yeah, admit, Chris. well done. Well, they they have a habit of coming out on radio these weird <laughs> phrases. Do it all the time. I listen back and think never say that. Anyway, um, I think we're going to get a hoo ha now. We are going to get one right now. Alex is um, fulminating. Is that the right word? In the background. Alex? Well, I would like to kindly disagree with Benjamin and the mm. fact that... Far away. I believe there's a myth in the Premier League that you don't get many chances to score goals, which I think is complete and utter rubbish. You see some of the chances that our strikers have missed this season. Cameron Jerome, Marin Schumach. In that position... 10 out of 10, Glenn Murray would have scored half of those chances. You see some of the chances where they're 50-50s. Okay. <laughs> ben, be quiet. <laughs> you find 50-50 chances that these players don't go for, which Glenn Murray would go for and would score a goal. Grant Holt came up to the Premier League and scored 15 goals. If he can do it, I'm telling you Glenn Murray can do it because there are chances in this division... That, that our players have missed clear-cut chances. Schumach against Arsenal, where, where it was a header and he fell on the floor but too early. Glenn Murray is an experienced pro. He would have banged that in the back of the net. We've had so many chances this year, clear-cut chances, that Glenn Murray would have scored. And I don't think there's much argument about it. Is he good enough for the Premier League? Well, if he scores goals, then he is. Mm, it's, it's a really difficult one to talk about because if we were just talking straight away about Glenn Murray from last season, no injury, um going up to the Premier League, then they're not I'm more on your side, Alex, than I am anyone else's. But we're talking about someone who's had a very, very serious injury. We're not sure how he's going to come back from it. And we're also talking about a team that's playing in a different way and not getting so many crosses in the box and things like that. Having said that, I do agree that the chances we have been creating, particularly the chances that are falling to Jerome, um, I think that Glenn Murray can play the hold-up striker role just as well as Cameron Jerome. But I believe he would he would be putting the chances he's been getting away and that's that's the difference for me. And I would love to see him come back and get in that squad in January, and just and just have one of those re- recoveries from serious injury that, that that do just happen. You know, a player comes back and he's the same player he was before. Um, 
you know that is the kind of the fairy tale whether it will happen or not I, I don't know you can't possibly know um, how a player is going to react to to such a serious injury and I've just noticed Gerald says Alex needs a hug <laughs> I do I do <laughs> from Glenn uh, yeah from Glenn not from Gel. you don't want Gel hugging you it's yeah. uncomfortable mm. um, <clears throat> alright well to give us a little bit of a, a summary before we just talk very very we'll talk about the um the West Brom game incredibly briefly in a moment, but just to give you a summary of both the Villa and the Man City games, I'm going to pluck out a few of the four-word reviews. Um, going back to Villa, Anthony Pierce says, well done, Tony Pulis. He's in the Tony's club. Um, you know, support from one Tony for another Tony, that's all that's about. I knew it. Uh, Justin Granger says, Gale blows Villa away. Very creative. Love it. <laughs> and uh, Annette, Annette Trathan says, oh my God, as in OMG, topless Joel Ward, which shows exactly where her next focus has been. Um, John Adicott says, well earned three points. Christian Glotz says, out of relegation zone. You know, that's probably the main headline. And Paul Martin, much needed three points. Plenty more in there. Thank you for all of those, but there's a few I picked out at random. Um, for the Man City game, um, Tony Pierce goes with the theme, which was heart, man of match, enough said. Uh, Danny Hoskins says, amazing game, getting stronger. Paul Kensley says, we will stay up. Gary Milton, so proud of Palace. Jason Rourke, take us seriously now. Paul Edwardson goes with the slightly more demanding we need a striker, which is what we'll be talking about in just a second. Uh, Les Sim says you can support Hammers. I don't know what that means. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's probably in relation to something someone else has said, and someone's put it in the document here. And uh, anyway, uh, Callum Hutchinson says did better than Arsenal, which I like a lot. Thank you to everyone for all of those uh, forward reviews there's loads more than we used to get now so we can't get them all but we do appreciate every single one of them um okay uh we'll finish on that review of uh, sorry preview of west brom so we'll go to the last email we're going to talk about right now it's 22 past nine bloody hell uh lions 550 that's ian lions got in touch and said uh, what are people's thoughts and who should go, who should go in the window uh, for me the following should go to go to make way for new players coming in garvin punchin Grandin, KG, Wilbraham, Phillips, Dobby, McCarthy. For me, we have cover for KG, you know, Keith, Ward, Johnny Esther, and think we could get decent money for him as well. Punchin should also be released. He's done too little too often for us to warrant persevering with him, clearly as far as a contract is concerned. Now, some strong uh, opinion there from Ian. Um, we haven't got a huge amount of time. Um, I don't think we're going to get too many arguments from people saying Grandin should go and Wilbraham should go. Phillips has already said he's off. Uh, Dobby, unlikely to get a chance under Tony Pulis, you feel. Uh, Paddy is still still not fit, um, so the, the signs are not good for him, uh, which is a real shame. Um, I suppose the headline ones in that, the, the sort of discussion points, I'll pick the two of, uh, three of, sorry, are Garvin, Punchin and KG. Garvin, obviously not in the 25. Do you see him getting a chance under Pulis, Ben, very quick? No, I don't, to be honest. Um, you know, there's a few above him in the pecking order. Um, I mean, O'Keefe's not getting many games and, and he's he's ahead of Garvin. So I think, you know, on, on that point, I don't think I think Garvin will, will be gone, to be honest. I don't think he'll put up with not being in the 25 either. If he's not there, uh, if he knows he's not going to be there in January, I think he'll go. Um, it'll be a shame because he's, you know, he's done reasonably well for us in the past and I like him as a player. But no, I think he'll be gone. With regards to, to KG... Um, and punching actually. That's the one I want. Yeah, they're both hit and miss. Obviously, we, we've spoken about both of them in depth before. Um, but I, I wouldn't get rid of either of them, to be honest. Punching, we've shown he, he can perform well and he is performing well. 
um, particularly against Man City and KG, I thought was was really you know, kind of picked it up a little bit this season because uh, the, the people I sit with at Palace are very very critical of of KG, um, but I think he, you know he's got it in him. He's strong. He works well with Genek. They work well together because because they play there so often together. Um, and I think he's got more to offer, to be honest. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. You know, I've had this debate with Gel for quite some time about whether O'Keefe is is better than KG. I still believe K- KG is the better player. I think he's better than any option that we've got in central midfield. Although I do kind of like the idea of bringing Johnny Williams in there um, to add something a little bit different. But I think KG complements Jednak brilliantly, uh, and I don't see him as one that I would want to leave. Having said that, he is in the last year of his contract, and. That it just comes down to what Tony Pulis thinks. If he thinks, if, we, if we're struggling to get KG to agree anything, if he's looking elsewhere, then maybe there is a, a, a case to put to move him on. At the moment, I don't think I do think he's, he's the best option alongside Jednak, so I wouldn't want to see him leave. And Punchin, Punchin's going to be the eternal debate. If we can bring Zaha back, then obviously, uh, and we've got to get someone out, I suppose. Um, and that's either going to be Jerome or Punchin. Pulis seems to like both. So I don't really know what our options are there. I can see him staying around, but um, I don't know. It's a difficult one, but there will obviously be outgoings. But you've got to you've got to have people wanting to get most of them. Some of them we could potentially release. Maybe a will. Maybe Wilbraham can get released. Maybe um, uh, <coughs> well, Phillips might be just released from the contract. Certainly, Elliot Grandin. Hopefully, he's not on much money because he contributed absolutely nothing to the club. So. Um, but yeah, be interesting to see how things go. And I think in terms of bringing people in, we are going to look. I still think we'll look at a keeper. I still think we'll be looking at left back, even though I think Parr's probably done himself a few favours uh, with his uh, performances so far. And I think we're definitely going to be looking at a, a striker because we've all seen it. We've all seen us creating chances. If we can get someone in who can be more of a goal threat than, than Cameron Jerome, then uh, then we've got to do it. So there you go. Does it, Does anyone actually think Zaha's a possibility? Yes. yes, you do. Okay. <laughs> yes. For what reasons? Uh, well, basically, the reasons being that uh, Man United wanted him to go out on loan, and uh, there's not going to be a huge amount of options because you've got to think about who Man United can lend him to. There's talk of Everton. Well, why would Man United lend Everton a player when they're basically Rivals, in the same position yeah. as them? It's talk sure. of Newcastle, same subject. So you've really got to look if he's going to lend him to a Premiership side which you've got to think they'll have to for his development, then they're going to have to be looking at a premiership side down the bottom. Um, Where he and, can be confident again and will be embraced by the fans and the club and everything in general. We'll get Thanks up. very much and good yeah. night. <laughs> right, Alex. <laughs> right, Alex. Yes. Uh, worryingly, West Ham are also interested, though. Mm. Well, I mean, is he, it's just a, quite ca- a case of... You, if he comes to Palace, he's going to play every game. Mm. You know, yeah, sure. It, I mean, he, I, Sorry. So is he going to play every? Is he going to play every game at West Ham? Maybe, maybe not. Don't know. One hundred percent as well. If David Moyes says to Wilfred Zaha, "Do you want to go to Palace or West Ham?" Every day of the week, he's saying Palace. It's put yeah, on a red and blue, so, isn't so. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see if it happens. It's one of those. It's bound. It's bound to go to someone to another team and bloody relegate us, isn't it? You know. <laughs> and kiss the badge as well. Yeah. He won't do that. Damn it! <laughs> He'll never do that. Uh, anyway, look. Let's talk very, 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 very quickly about West Brom and let, let all these poor people go. Um, I'm not even sure how many of you are actually left listening. Probably not that many. But um, you'll pick pick it up in the podcast. I don't even know why I'm talking about it. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, West Brom. It's a cup game. Don't really want to talk about it too much. We've been been there once this season. Wasn't a great experience. 
Um, really, the question is, and I'm just going to ask you, Alex, no one else. Um, first of all, what sort of a team do we put out? And second of all, do we really care? The sad thing is that we do not care about the FA Cup or the Carlin Cup anymore. And your capital one is now, apologies. Uh, what team do we put out? Care. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what, what team do we put out? Uh, I think an experimental one. I think we see players like Boateng play, Campagna play, Gale, give him 90 minutes, see how he does. Just go and enjoy it. But I think, I think don't change too much in the fact that we get absolutely battered because we'll take a confidence hit. Let's just set up as we are, change a few things, a little bit of experimenting, keep it solid, come home, no injuries, all done with no replay. All right, like it. Uh, can't, can't really disagree with anything said there. Um, part of me still thinks if we can do it the right way, I, would, I wouldn't be against a nice little cut run. Sometimes it can sort of kick you on, but when we're in the position that we're in, all, all we need to look at is our league status. And whilst I want, I want our fringe players to get games and I want our young players to get games, it's very, very difficult to... Um, to sort of justify the, the kind of distraction that a, a decent cup run would be. So, yeah, there you go. Um, so that's it. That's going to be the end of the show. Just before we go, um, obviously, a quick mention. Uh, since our show last week, uh, former chairman Ron Node sadly died of, of cancer. Um, he'd been unwell for quite a period of time after a tumour was discovered behind his heart. And, um, you know, he talked a couple of months ago in the press about fighting it, but it had um, obviously robbed him of the use of his uh, sorry, feeling in his toes and things like that so very very sad obviously people have their opinions on what Ron did for our club but we had our biggest success under him he ran the club uh, properly and prudently and um, yeah okay you can argue till the cows come home about whether he should have separated club and ground you know it was in one stage in danger of, of possibly ending us but in the end it probably saved us as well so um you know, sad time for his family and obviously all of us at Homestay Radio uh, our thoughts are with, with Ron's family at this time and, you know, a massive part of, of Palace history. So, yeah, RIP Ron. That is the end of today's show. Thanks to all of you who've listened in. You can always get in touch when we're off air with an email to radio at homestay.net. It may help shape, shape next week's show. Uh, those of you who are podcast-only listeners... Uh, why not join us live next week? You get to interact directly with the show. And the event, one of us says something totally unacceptable. You get to hear it before we can edit out of the podcast. Uh, we're back live next Sunday at 8pm on holradio.net. Goodbye. Chris, I'd just like to say that you can listen to our transfer special, which will be available on Tuesday. Hmm. Yeah. There will be a transfer special available on Tuesday, available for download only. If you With can. me. With me. With you? Yes, with me. Who else is doing it? Don't know yet. Let's wait and see. All right. Bye. Homesdale Radio is brought to you in association with CompleteSigns.co.uk for all your sign-based needs. To receive a genuine 10% discount, mention you are listening to Homesdale Radio and get in touch today. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. 
Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.